We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
Welcome to the Rhode Island Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Friday, October 30th, 2015. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig. Of course, this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. If you're listening on one of those platforms, we'd really appreciate it. If you could take the time to leave us a nice review. It is week eight of the NFL season, and it kicked off last night. Miami going on the road under new fearless leader Dan Campbell, who actually does seem like he's pretty awesome, at least compared to Joe Philbin, but probably just awesome in general. Uh, Going on the road to face New England, tough to go into New England anyway, even more difficult to go in uh, on short rest, and this was pretty ugly. I mean, the Patriots won this game 36-7. Miami couldn't really do a whole lot offensively, although Ryan Tannehill managed to get to the 300-yard mark. No passing TDs in this one for the Dolphins. Tom Brady went off 356 yards. He was 26 of 38, four TDs, no picks. Gronk had a big game. Deion Lewis had a big game. Edelman scored twice, had seven for 81 on nine targets. We saw more targets for Brandon LaFell. Danny Amendola went back to being Danny Amendola. LeGarrette Blunt was the more effective back in the backfield again after getting really uh, kind of a quiet performance against the Jets and I mean, this was one, like, I, I didn't watch this game. I was at a concert, thankfully. I, I'm glad I didn't give away a Thursday night watching this blowout. But it looks like the, the Patriots are the most complete offensive team in the league right now. They have health. They're executing at a high level. And they have a willingness to continue to throw the ball even when they have a big lead. Because if you take a look, the second Edelman touchdown, that came on a series as part of a series of four consecutive pass plays with about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter when the Patriots already had a huge lead. Yeah, both of those touchdowns for Edelman in the fourth quarter, that's just uh, that's kind of rude of Bill Belichick. But, uh, yeah, I think the Patriots as a whole are really terrifying, actually. Like, it seems – I can't remember the last time, <clears throat> excuse me, that it seemed this far ahead of time set in a Super Bowl where it seems so much like Green Bay and New England. Even from, like, the beginning of the season, it seemed that way. And, uh, yeah, the Patriots also have a lot of uh, pass-rushing potential. They can create turnovers even if they give up yardage on defense. So it uh, sounds a lot like Green Bay, actually. So it, it's uh, looking pretty like those two are the best in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Cincinnati looks like a team that maybe could be good enough, but I, I think the problem they're going to run into is that they have to go on the road to New England. It's hard to imagine the Patriots losing a playoff game at home. Cameron Wake suffered a season-ending injury in this one, so that's a pretty big blow for the Dolphins' defense, uh, nobody seemed to be impressed by Ndamukong Sue, who's been a pretty big disappointment throughout this season for the Dolphins. But I don't know. Is, is it too soon to, to say it's a horrible contract? I mean, it might. It may just be because the, the scale is ridiculous. There may be nothing he can do at his position to justify the amount of money the Dolphins gave him. But at the same time, we're only seven games into it, and now we're only three games into Dan Campbell's career uh, as a head coach. So I feel like we should just throw out maybe the first four games we saw from Indomitian Sue because things seem to be just that dysfunctional with this team. I know this is a, a tough time to look at the Dolphins and be optimistic, but it still seems like they're a team that's in a much better place now than they were just a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, I agree. And at least Sue had two sacks last week, so he hasn't been <clears throat> he hasn't been totally you know flatlining there, but uh, also has four batted passes in the last three weeks, so... Either way, Campbell's obviously a pretty big improvement over Philbin, I I think it's safe to say. The only good thing that came from the Dolphins' offense uh, probably was Lamar Miller scoring, and he didn't have much for yardage. He had 15 yards on nine carries, 
Uh, did find the end zone on the ground. Caught five balls for 19 yards. So if you're in a full-point PPR league, it's a little better. Uh, but otherwise, right around that 10-point mark in non-PPR formats. Jordan Cameron was pretty quiet, two for 34. Kenny Stills got seven targets, only turned that into three catches for 58 yards. Richard Matthews was targeted 12 times. Mario, seven catches for 62 yards. And Jarvis Landry had six catches for 71 yards on eight targets. But really not much to get excited about here. And again, it's just the latest in a long line of disappointing or boring Thursday night games. It seems to be the the norm at this point. Uh, we're going to move on to some injuries, though, as we get ready for the week eight slate. The millionaire maker, of course, one million going to first place again here in week eight. Uh, Adrian Peterson slowed by a hip injury. He is probable for Sunday's game against the Bears. Hopefully uh, doesn't have any issues um, swallowing his dip again, as was <laughs> reportedly the case last weekend. Or, or he ate shrimp, even though he has a shellfish allergy. We don't really know, I guess. He, he, he disputed. He said if he swallowed his dip, he'd be okay because he's chewed for 10 years. That wouldn't make him sick. I thought you're still not to supposed to swallow that, though. You're still not supposed to swallow Did he, like, misunderstand the whole issue that whole time? It's like, entirely possible. <laughs> I don't know. I was just picturing the sand lot when, when they chew and they think it's gum and they just swallow. Their, instead of spitting, they're swallowing everything and they all get sick at the carnival. I'd, li- I'd like to imagine that, like, Adrian Peterson really has in the past 10 years, like, every single day just gone, like, gulp. Just been, just been gulping tobacco. <laughs> it's still... And still, during that time, gone on to become one of the greatest running backs of all time. Hey, if he if he really was all that time, then yeah, it's like he's fine. Like no worries next time if he does it. <laughs> Carlos Hyde, according to 49ers head coach Jim Tomasula, uh, will likely be a game time decision for Sunday's game against the Rams. Kind of a uh, combination of, of issues for the Niners popping up. Anquan Bolden also aggravated a hamstring injury on Thursday, and he did not participate. In Friday's practice with Carlos Hyde, it seems like he's dealing with a possible stress fracture in his foot. The team has not provided that diagnosis, but we talked to ESPN Stefania Bell on the SiriusXM show, and the point she made is that a player is pretty unlikely to just say they have a stress fracture in their foot. Usually, if the player passes that along, it means someone on the medical staff told them that was the injury. So even though the team hasn't released the specifics of the injury to the media, it seems like a reasonably good chance that Carlos Hyde does, in fact, have that stress fracture. And if that's the case, I'm worried about his long-term ability to even stay on the field. This is a bad team that may opt to rest him or have him undergo some surgery at some point. just seems like a, a cloud over Carlos Hyde, even if he does manage to suit up against St. Louis this week. Yeah, I don't—did she happen to mention whether that's something you should even be playing on at all? Because it seems like it shouldn't be. Like It seems like something guys have, like— four-month recovery time surgeries over uh so yeah it, it makes no sense for them to play him if he has a stress fracture like it really makes zero sense at all like they're obviously not going to win games with him yeah i mean not going to win games yeah regardless of who they've got out there they're just a bad team right now uh but she didn't specify you know the extent to which they were exposing him to further injury uh, i do think it seems like one of those things that will get a lot worse if you keep playing on it maybe it's a, a pain tolerant sort of thing for now and they, they view it as something where they can let him play until he simply can't anymore and then when he can't he'll have enough time to recover for next season which seems like the most humane way to treat a player yeah that sounds like a pretty grim uh game plan there but uh 49ers just keep going until something <laughs> tears or completely well here's the removed. thing when it for sure breaks and it will we can just uh you know hang you on the shelf then it's we'll, no just, big deal. we'll just put the glue on then but not now 
It's supposed to make a popping noise. Yeah. yeah. Eric Decker listed as questionable for the Jets game against the Raiders. Um, seems like he's on the more probable side of questionable. That game does have a late afternoon kickoff, however, so just be sure to have an alternative available if Decker is deemed unfit to play. Odell Beckham actually got a lot more practice work in this week. I think that's actually kind of encouraging. Offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo also saying that Beckham was really like getting his feet into the ground and, and cutting a lot harder than he had been. So it seems like things are, are trending in the right direction for Beckham. Full participants all week, apparently. So, yeah, I'd say that's uh, pretty much green light. Apparently he's going to match up or maybe matched up with Delvin Bro. And a recurring conversation I've had with, with Liss on Fridays is about corners and, and where you really draw lines as far as like being actionable with your decisions at wide receiver because of the opposing corner. Delvin Bro, I mean, seems to be impressing some people this year, but at the same time, I don't think he's anywhere near the level where you start to think you start to think about sitting down top tier receivers. I mean, even T. Y. Hilton last week, some people thought, Well, we gotta sit T. Y. Hilton. He's going up against Delvin Bro and I thought, why? Like You know like, what? I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> like I know I know who he is, but like I don't I'm I'm very caught off guard by all this. Like, is 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 this really a thing? Like, people are afraid of him. Like, his, the receivers going against him. Yeah, isn't oh. that strange? I I did not hear of this guy like ever. I, he's I thought he does he have a brother who plays for Tulane? Because there's someone named Bro on uh, Tulane who plays receiver. Oh no. Anyway, um, I don't I don't care. I, Odell does not. This does not change anything for Odell for me. Yeah, he should be just fine. Marcus Mariota will not play against the Texans. He is dealing with a sprained MCL, um, perhaps returning in Week 9 against the Saints now. Zach Mettenberger in line to start for the second straight week with the Titans. That was an ugly game last week, by the way. Falcons-Titans, what a disaster. I thought the Falcons would put up 30 points. The Titans have to play catch-up. Nope. Here's Ken Wisenhunt just ruins everything. He really does. I, I will, I'm going to hold Ken Wisenhunt accountable for what happened to Grantland today. For sure. Yeah. What, what reason do we have to think he didn't do it, like, personally? There's, I, there's no evidence to suggest that he didn't He's do been it. spotted at so many different crime scenes at this point. Like, it's just, I'm going to assume he had something to do anyway. Steve Smith suffered a knee injury on Thursday, popped up on the injury report. He practiced on Friday. I mean, he's playing with back fractures i don't think anything unless his knee completely shatters i don't think we're going to see steve smith miss time i I think he's pretty much indestructible at this point maybe not even human maybe maybe a cyborg he just he just like hates his way through injuries like there's just yeah there's no there's no cap on his willpower You'd, you'd have to just ban him from the stadium or something and perhaps the biggest news of the week des bryant should be able to return to action Sunday against Seattle unless he has a setback at some point today. I don't know if that includes post-practice, like walking through the facility or walking elsewhere or what, but it sounds like we're going to see Dez back potentially against Seattle. Man, I don't know how I feel about that because... I I just he, He's a guy who's already puts himself up for injury risk with just how insanely aggressive he is when he has the ball. And, you know, going against the Seahawks, they're kind of dirty. Uh, they're, they're obviously kind of physically imposing even when they're within the rules. But, man, it's like that guy's going to be on the same field as K.J. Wright. Like, K.J. Wright is a psycho. Did you see what he was doing to Richard Rodgers earlier this year? So, anyway, um, yeah, and they're not going to win with Matt Castle at quarterback. So, it's it's kind of futile. But I understand their desperation, I guess. Uh, I won't be picking Dez in any daily setting. And uh, I, I probably wouldn't be that enthusiastic about starting him in season long either 
Likewise, and uh, other big news of the week is that Ben Roethlisberger is expected to be back in the lineup against the Bengals. He reported no issues with his knee during practice this week. This is great news for Antonio Brown owners because Antonio Brown just tanked. I mean, compared to expectations, tanked. He was still sort of useful, but yeah. uh, not exalted, not at all what you expected. If you used your first overall pick on him in a full-point PPR league, yeah. what was happening with Landry Jones and Michael Vick quarterback to Antonio Brown was just not fair. With Big Ben coming back, it seems like the Steelers' offense should be at or close to full capacity for the first time really all season because Le'Veon Bell was suspended for those first couple games. Yeah, that'll be a really interesting game this week because it's going to be the best test for I mean I know I know they already beat Seattle but I feel like full strength Ben Roethlisberger is the bigger test for Andy Dalton just because uh obviously it's in the division and it's I just feel like that that Pittsburgh offense can be like in really 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 good right away now that they have both Martavis Bryant and Ben Roethlisberger so uh obviously like on DraftKings Antonio Brown at 7800 is a pretty tempting target this week with with Roethlisberger back. Yeah, I love that the price actually came down just a little bit there. A few more injury items to get to. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders limited in practice a little bit this week with a shoulder injury. He will likely be okay. Marshawn Lynch was fully practicing on Thursday. We don't have the Friday report here just yet as it's still not quite noon on the West Coast as we record this, but it looks like he'll be fine as he's been trying to deal with a nagging hamstring injury. Uh, One to watch closely over the weekend is John Brown. He also has a hamstring injury. He was unable to practice on Thursday, so got to keep an eye out for the final word as to whether or not he's able to do anything on Friday. And if he can test everything out early Sunday, they're on the road in Cleveland, and if he's good to go, then I think you can still use him, but I just don't know if it's necessarily a lock that he's actually going to play. If, If Brown doesn't play, it makes both Fitz and Michael Floyd, I think, quite a bit more appealing because there's seven or eight more targets to go around yeah uh do we know if joe hayden is back at corner for cleveland because if he's out then like fitz is for sure in play for me if uh if hayden's back i think uh in a daily context maybe the better value would be you know going for floyd um only in the event that brown is out if if brown is in i don't really think i would consider him so um but yeah that's that's an interesting setting there and it's it's uh it looks like that team could go very run heavy on the other hand with Chris Johnson apparently great again and they also have some depth now with Ellington and David Johnson there also but uh yeah that's uh what's what's McCown's status for that he apparently will be okay Joe oh, Hayden okay. uh it says he's fully healed from a concussion oh, okay. Well yeah so, so that makes things there. a little tougher for Fitzgerald but he's obviously playing at such a high level that it you know doesn't really change anything uh, as as your assessment would otherwise be I think. McCallan was limited at practice Friday is officially questionable for that game against Arizona and head coach Mike Pettin suggests that McCallan is truly day to day in advance of the weekend. So we'll see if that actually uh, limits him. Good news it's an early Sunday kickoff so nothing really to to worry about as far as a late lineup decision or anything along those lines. Uh, but Dez and, and, and Big Ben both likely back. I mean, I, it's, it's going to be a better week. Like The, the Steelers having Roethlisberger back it's makes huge. one team infinitely more watchable. And, and this year there's been a lot of teams that have just sputtered offensively. And I hope we, we see Tony Romo and, and Dez back on the field together for the Cowboys. 
within the next few weeks because I think that makes the Cowboys a lot more watchable too. Yeah, the Cowboys without Romo is one of the worst things ever. It's it's funny to me how much he gets bashed when it's the there's just mountains of evidence that he single handedly has made them a respectable team for as long as he's been there. But uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be another really gross week for them. Anything in the Tampa Bay receiving core that you like? I mean, Vincent Jackson is listed as doubtful, so uh, you got him banged up with that knee injury. Austin Safarian Jenkins also listed as doubtful with a shoulder injury. Uh, depth receivers in Tampa behind Mike Evans. I know a lot of people like Mike Evans this week after he started to produce along the lines that we expected last week. But anyone else in the depth chart that you think could be interesting with the possibility of getting more targets with VJAX and Austin Safarian Jenkins expected to miss this one? Uh, probably not. Let's see. So the, I don't even... <laughs> I liked uh, Kenny Bell coming out of Nebraska, but I don't think he's even on the team at this point, so I, I would probably have a very low opinion of the other ones there. Um, but yeah, I, I do like Mike Evans, even though, I mean, Trufant's a concern, but not really, because I think Evans is just so imposing physically that he's basically matchup proof when the target volume is there, and it should be there. So I actually really like Evans a lot, too. No Leonard Hankerson this week for Atlanta, by the way. He's been slowed by a hamstring injury. He has been officially ruled out on the other side of that Falcons Bucks matchup, still no Victor Cruz for the Giants. Not a big surprise there. As I mentioned earlier, Zach Mettenberger getting the nod uh, over Marcus Mariota with Mariota hurt. Joseph Randall has that strained oblique, and he possibly could be facing a one- or two-game suspension for violating the league's personal conduct policy. He's been excused from the team, so he's likely going to be inactive against the Seahawks anyway. I mean, Darren McFadden, Mario, back in the driver's seat with a starting job. How long is it going to take him before he crashes into a tree? I don't know. I mean, he's he's looked pretty fast this year, and obviously he had a really big game last week. So with him, you definitely have to figure he'll get hurt at some point, though. So hopefully he doesn't. Hopefully he can somehow you know recapture what he showed basically five years ago now was the last time he was not a train wreck of a player. So it'd be cool to see him make a bit of a comeback in Dallas there. Uh, but yeah, I I actually blew the rest of my fab budget on Christine Michael two weeks ago in the stake league. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess I have some hope now with, with Randall apparently just kind of like going nuts and uh, getting hurt and also facing potential discipline. Because if, if uh, McFadden's the only guy ahead of Michael, I think I like my chances of getting Michael on the field at some point. But uh, this week, I think everything's just going to go awful for Dallas. Yeah, you're kind of at that point where you're just waiting for something physically to befall Darren McFadden because hopefully not things things never go this well for him it's not often you see hamstrings in the uh injury parenthetical (laughs) yeah have you seen that though with him before oh yeah both both hamstrings that was earlier this year that's what he was like missing training camp for was hamstrings so it'd be like feet like both feet hurt (laughs) hands it was uh yeah so it's like man maybe he'll hurt his hamstring again Van Riper thumbs questionable for Saturday's shift at the office Oh, broken space bar. I don't know. I'm going to a concert. I'm telling you. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to this concert. It's a Zed concert. Well, I'll give you the full review when we get back uh, on Monday. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week 8, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for a free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. All right, it's week eight. We've been talking about Millionaire Maker entries pretty much every Friday all season, and that's not going to go away because one thing 
that, that kind of brings us together in daily is that we're all dealing with the same problems. You know, like in season long, your rosters, as many of them as you have and as many of them as I have, they're not the same as anyone else's out there. So the problems we face week to week in season long are not they're not helpful to other people, really, unless you're assessing a couple guys that maybe are on the waiver wire and looking at things like that that are more broad. But right. in in the daily context, we're all kind of in this together, even though we're all trying to tear each other's heads off to yeah. win a million dollars. We're in it together. I hope you all do terribly on the other hand. But uh, not not when you're picking the same players as me, obviously. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it is. I guess that it's not very interesting for people to hear my... Uh, dialogues with butters trade negotiation type things whereas like yeah daily you don't need to know the inside stories of butters i literally do not know who devonta freeman is <sighs> yeah anyway so <laughs> uh yeah so the dfs stuff is obviously more relatable um I, I wouldn't care about chris johnson at all this year and his amazing comeback if it wasn't for dfs because uh, i did not have the insight or the foresight to acquire him anywhere right but, well it, bro- it broadens the player pool because you have to look at players you missed out on which can be a good thing i mean there's been years where guys i i liked in a season-long context i didn't get anywhere and at least in daily i had my chances to own them. So we'll dive into the quarterbacks here first. Aaron Rodgers at 7,500. Coming off the bye, uh, should have Devontae Adams back. Should have a healthier version of Randall Cobb. Should have James Jones pretty healthy. I don't think Ty Montgomery is going to go in this one, but this is about as healthy as the offense around Aaron Rodgers, probably including Eddie Lacy at running back too, but as healthy as that group has been in the last six weeks. At the same time, Denver's defense, as we've talked about a lot in these Friday pods, led by son of bum, it's really a defense you don't want to mess with. This is one of those weeks where I'm probably just going to stay away entirely from Rodgers, even though I don't expect many to pay up the 7500 to get him. Yeah, I agree. I won't I won't be picking Rodgers. It's if it was at Lambeau I might consider it, but being in Denver, Wade obviously great always. So, it's there's there's a lot of good options at a glance at quarterback that, you know, have far less risk with similar upside and a cheaper price tag. Uh I'm probably not going to include Andrew Luck in that group. He terrified, like I had several heart attacks last week uh, when I was like, oh yeah, obviously Luck's a rock solid quarterback start against the Saints. They don't stop anybody. He's at home. This is easy. And then like in a half, he has like 13 yards and two interceptions or whatever. So I'm I'm bitter on Luck right now. I, I, something just seems rotten with Indianapolis, obviously. Uh, but Matt Ryan at 7,100, he's at home. He's going against the Buccaneers. So uh, that's that's one cash game target I would I would single out immediately. Yeah, he's the first of the top quarterbacks that looks interesting based on the matchup. I think Cam against the Colts at sixty eight hundred is a solid play. Yes, uh, I say this as someone who was so so brutally harmed by the Mike Tolbert two TD game <laughs> and, and Cam Newton chipping in with a rushing TD of his own last week that really limited my profits in the Millionaire Maker, but. I'll get over it someday, and, and no one cares that I'm sad about it anyway. What about Carson Palmer, though, on the road at Cleveland? Cleveland's defense, to me, is a tire fire. We mentioned John Brown possibly missing this one. And maybe Joe Hayden coming back makes the Cleveland defense a bit more effective. Uh, do you think Carson Palmer is a viable option on the road here, or do you think it's just one of those things where there are better matchups available that you don't have to spend as much to exploit? Yeah, I I think Palmer should do fine. It's just that I, I'm a lot more confident in – cam newton at 200 cheaper uh doing i think he'll do better straight up like cam newton has high floor high ceiling both this week he could he could 
kind of have an awesome game there. Uh, but yeah, he's cheaper than Palmer, so I don't even need to think about that one. I'd rather have Roethlisberger in his first game back at 6,700. Um, I, I think, yes, Rivers at 6,600 going against the Ravens, who are just apparently the worst pass defense ever. Um, and yeah, Andy Dalton at 6,000 going against uh the Steelers defense which has gotten better since the earlier part of the year but uh he I mean he, he had a huge game against the Seahawks so I, th- I think that's a pretty shootout likely game right there so I like both quarterbacks in that one I think even Eli I know it's on the road at New Orleans and Eli can be a real clown sometimes <laughs> and just ruin your day I mean at 6600 I I suspect you'd get a lower ownership rate on him than some of the names you mentioned because people are going to go after Rivers for sure. Even, yeah. though that, even though that game's at Baltimore, I know Baltimore's been pretty bad defensively all season. I feel like they're more likely to have a game where they resemble a typical Ravens defense at home than they are on the road. Maybe that's just completely misguided thinking. Maybe I'm thinking too much about Ravens teams of the past and not the personnel they've got out there right now. But I think Rivers makes a lot of sense. You're, you're going to see him probably as a top three or top four quarterback this week in terms of ownership rate and I think that's what makes going after him for me a little bit less appealing for this week well yeah the the Ravens defense is always better at home but for me I'm not worried about Rivers in the slightest because uh the issue is they can't run the ball so even if he has a regression in his passing efficiency I think he's just a lock for volume unless they somehow get you know like a couple pick sixes and then just run out the clock or something if they need yards they have to throw it and Rivers is really good uh even without Gates I mean Ladarius Green I think isn't equal to him uh Stevie Johnson's a little healthier than last week maybe uh that would be good but yeah I I think the San Diego passing game should have another big week I'm with you though on Andy Dalton at 6,000 that seems like a, a good play plenty of points should be uh, put it by both teams in that game. It, you know, even if the Steelers open for the lead, that's good for Dalton. He'll get plenty of attempts. And if they're going to outpace the Steelers' offense, they're going to have to be pretty active, I think, in the passing game. Uh, Russell Wilson gets the Cowboys. I know you, you liked the Cowboys a lot last week because they're getting healthier on the defensive side of the ball. But what do you think about Wilson, at least as a GPP play at 6,300? Yeah, uh, I can't. <clears throat> I definitely can't argue against it because if he just – all he needs is like you know a 40 yards one touchdown showing on the ground and then just a standard passing performance to you know go way past value at especially at 6300 um the Dallas defense I mean I, they really let me down last week um I don't know if being at home will help them any but that that Seahawks offensive line is again not really built to handle what Dallas's defensive line can do so it could be bad for Wilson, but like I, I don't know if you if if you play him with the logic that he might be forced to scramble more and that might actually aid his you know rushing production odds. Maybe there's reason to think there's GPP upside that way. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll probably just you know do what I perceive to be the safer thing and go with Dalton between the two at a little cheaper or go up a little bit for Rivers. Kanye just tweeted at me to say that Seattle's offensive line is offensive, which I think he's the only person allowed to say that that way but yeah their their offensive line is is as bad as he says joe flacco 5500 on the other side of the chargers ravens matchup i mean if san diego has to throw that's a good thing for their point output does flacco get volume and and just having a healthy enough to play version of steve smith give you some confidence in flacco at that price not really i just i i think they should be able to run the ball against the chargers so maybe that'll be a harm to his volume and if he doesn't get volume uh, the numbers just won't be there because he's not that good, and his receivers are even worse in a uh, you know 
objective positional adjusted score uh so yeah it's it's not a great fit for flacco any particular week i don't think if you can't safely project like 35 pass attempts or something below the flacco line you've got brian hoyer at 5300 Derek carr at 5300 against the jets no thanks on the Derek carr option 5200 for jay cutler bears hosting the vikings minnesota's defense has looked pretty good overall this season but the bears defense is so bad that I look at Jay and say, hey, look, 35 times a week, he's going to have to air it out. He's going to have to take a long drag and air it out 35 times. Yeah, I I don't know what to expect from him ever. Uh, this week is no exception. Uh, it does seem like Xavier Rhodes might be someone that Alshon Jeffrey can have a big game against, if only because of penalties. Uh He's got Xavier Rhodes pretty clearly has that Mario Edwards thing going on where uh, refs all just notice like, hey, that guy holds. And they had a big convention and said, yeah, let's call holding on that guy like a lot more from now on and forever. So it's he's going to get nailed for ticky tacky calls and you have to grab, you know, at the receiver sometimes when they're as big as Elshon Jeffrey. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's one thing that could be exploitable on that defense. But otherwise, like, yeah, that pass rush is pretty scary right now. They got a lot of athletic people in their front seven who can get to the quarterback so i don't think cutler will have a lot of time to get rid of it looking here at some of the other cheap options you've got Jameis winston against atlanta at 5200 nick Foles. i don't think you'd ever want to use him at 5100 against san francisco it's no. uh, zach mettenberger 5100 against houston teddy bridgewater is only 5100 against the bears if you're looking for a cheap gpp option i think i'd rather go with bridgewater than pretty much any of the other 5,500 range quarterbacks. Um, I agree with that, yes. So I was, I was just had to scroll up to 55 there. Uh, for sure, I'd take Bridgewater over all those guys below the uh, Russell Wilson line. Let's move over to the running back spot. Le'Veon Bell, 8,300, the most expensive option on the board as the Steelers host the Bengals. Devonta Freeman at an even 8,000. Second most expensive back. You got Peterson at six at seventy four hundred against the Bears. Matt Forte at seventy three hundred on the other side of the same matchup. Marshawn Lynch is seventy one hundred against Dallas. That looks pretty interesting to me. Ingram and Todd Gurley at sixty four hundred and sixty three hundred respectively, and then Eddie Lacy at sixty two hundred going up against Denver. I mean, Eddie Lacy, based on production, should be a three thousand dollar player right now because he's been just that bad, but aesthetically bad also like we're everybody's hating on his weight now everyone does you're not hot anywhere eddie people people love eddie Lacey's weight when he's rumbling into the end zone and when he goes through a dry spell then he's just this fatty that's only yeah he's if he's if he does poorly he's fat and also stupid yeah but otherwise he's a bruiser but when yeah when he's good he's a physical inside runner who shows the toughness necessary he sets the the tone he sets the tone yeah, um, I, I think he's been playing with a crap ankle all season, and coming off the bye, he might be finally healthy. Uh, the question on Gurley continues to be, with the low price, still 6300 in my opinion, should cost close to 8000 uh, maybe even as much as Le'Veon Bell. I don't think that would be that ridiculous. It's a good matchup against San Francisco. Is it another week where you have to use him, even though you expect most of the other players in the pool to build around him? Uh, much less so this week, because there's obviously his price went up, but also because there's other options who are cheaper than him, I think that are comparable plays. Um, or maybe not comparable, but they're they're cheap enough. Their their uh, price is so much lower that it it becomes kind of like an equal uh, value anyway. But obviously, Gurley at 6,300 is really cheap. I do worry about the blowout potential in that game because San Francisco is just a spectacular 
just dumpster blaze that can be seen from space and it's it's hard to see why they would get out, get out of a game like this without having a mid-game meltdown um not just like in the press like they're having right now but just kind of like a spectacular just beat down um who knows but uh Gurley should get his numbers before that before it gets to that extent um yeah it just doesn't he's gonna see short fields probably because st louis can get turnovers against that team and even if it's not turnovers there'll be a lot of three and outs obviously so um the only reason i, that I guess i would consider not taking Gurley is just because there's guys like jonathan stewart at 4100 chris johnson at 4600 um but yeah Gurley at 6300 is a great value either way i like geo bernard at 4800 yeah I mean, he's a good one too pass catching ability there how about Doug Martin at 5,500? I mean, it's, it's a Tampa-Atlanta matchup. I guess the only concern I have is that if Atlanta clicks, if Julio Jones is just unstoppable, Atlanta opens up a big lead, Doug Martin could be the victim of an abandoned running game. But I, I think they can actually keep that game close enough to where he's of decent value at 5,500. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of creepy how they have Charles Sims rotating in a lot. And I know they're both getting their numbers. Like, Martin's obviously still getting a, a starter's workload despite Sims rotating in regularly. Um, I don't know if they'll maybe give fewer touches to Sims after that awesome uh, pitchback fumble that they had to end the game against the bucket, uh, against the Washington. But it's it's not a game that I think I'll approach on the Tampa side, aside from Mike Evans. Um but yeah, like obviously Atlanta, there's there's the very predictable usage of Julio and Devante, um, maybe Roddy White, um, but yeah. Otherwise, at, at running back, I'm probably gonna like you said, Geo is is pretty attractive at that price, especially if we think it's gonna be a shootout or whatever. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I'd probably go to you know Hillman against Green Bay is kind of interesting. I don't I don't think I believe that he's that talented or anything, but Kubiak's system kind of has a lot of by default production, and I guess the Packers have been. Uh, you know, a mixed bag against running backs to this point. 4.7 yards per carry allowed by the Packers so far against the run this season. Uh, Danny Woodhead, 4,500 on top of the Danny Woodhead fan club treehouse. Are you flying the DW flag this week? Probably not on DraftKings. I am in the stake league, of course, because uh, he just has a spot reserved in my, sporting, in my starting lineup there. But, um, I mean, 11 catches for 75 yards and two garbage time touchdowns is not something that you want to chase uh generally speaking um but if if melvin gordon stays cold it's not hard to imagine a scenario where you know woodhead gets enough catches to meet value i just don't think he has the upside that you'd like at 4500 when you got like you know verified lead runners like uh john chris johnson again is in a similar range and, and jonathan stewart's even cheaper so if you want a more gpp uh, gppe set of recommendations Andre Ellington, 4,300, barely touching the ball right now, but Cleveland is so bad against the run. If Arizona gets up, I could see Ellington getting a little more involved. He actually had a lot of touches in the fourth quarter of that Monday night game against the Ravens. I'm sort of intrigued by him at that price. You mentioned Jonathan Stewart at 4,100. I I know Tolbert and Newton are always there to possibly vulture TDs, but it just seems like Jonathan Stewart never really gets the respect he deserves for what he's able to accomplish when healthy. I know that's been the operating term when healthy but he's a pretty good back on a team that tends to have a decent amount of leads yeah he's looked good when I've seen him play too so his numbers are just an oddity that's the result of you know building an unconventional offense where Cam Newton runs so much in the red zone but yeah Stewart's really quite impressive uh, from what I've seen this year so I, I like his chances of kind of 
you know, having a spree of good games that get his season long average up to a more reasonable look than he had like two touchdowns on like what was it like 120 carries or something he just, he just had a preposterously low touchdown frequency he, okay he has two on 103 so far like yeah i would i would i would bet by the end of the year his his rate drops to more like one per 20 to 25 carries rather than the 50 it's at right now and basically we have to think that'll happen unless we think mike tolbert will finish the year with like eight touchdowns or whatever yeah i think people are going to be more sensitive to the idea that tolbert is going to hose Jonathan Stewart owners because it just happened last week like the recency bias there is going to kick in and and Stewart may be someone that gets largely overlooked Darren McFadden is only 3,800 but he's disappointed me way too many times for me to try to build daily lineups around it's against Seattle Seattle's been pretty good against the run this year the price seems to make sense for the expected workload but 30 carries I mean I will fade that I I certainly would not consider him in a cash game setting but Man, like if if we imagine a scenario where that Seattle offensive line really does just derail the offense, maybe he gets a short enough field to get a you know a kind of cheap touchdown. Um, but yeah, as far as like yardage volume, I'll rule that out. I mean, I think the best case scenario with McFadden is like eighty yards from scrimmage. You know, hopefully like twenty or thirty of those yards on receptions because that that's actually a subtle way that he might be able to get to value though because he's he's a good pass catcher. And uh, obviously Dunbar not being in the offense at this point, Joseph Randall played a fair amount on passing down. So he's two weeks removed from catching nine passes against the Patriots. Like if he catches four passes in this game, I think he can safely meet what you need for 3,800. But it's it's also just easy to imagine a lot of just really bad scenarios for Dallas in that one, which is why I would only consider him in a GPP setting, I think. Alfred Blue replacing Arian Foster again. Probably going to see some Chris Don't Paul, care. maybe some Jonathan Grimes. Blue's thirty five hundred. If you want to, DeAndre Hopkins is just going to get like forty targets this week with Foster out. There's there's no reason for them to do anything but throw it at DeAndre Hopkins. The elusive forty target game. I wish we could see more of those. I think that'd be good for the game. Yeah, it'd be good. It might happen this week. I hope hope it does. If it does, I guess I better have DeAndre Hopkins somewhere. Julio Jones. The only receiver more expensive than DeAndre Hopkins this week, 9,200 with that matchup against the Bucks. Hopkins is at 8,700. Beckham's at 8,500. Dez, if he goes at 8,000, I don't think you'd want to play Dez at that price, no. given how tough that matchup Never. is. And just I wouldn't if he was healthy. Yeah, that, that'd just be one to, to avoid. Antonio Brown is only 7,800. That That is really kind of surprising. I just wonder... Is he going to be the most owned receiver this week in the entire pool? I think he probably will. It'll. I think it'll be close between him and Hopkins. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm bad at guessing ownership uh, numbers. I guess so. There, there's a, there's enough options at receiver really that there might be more variation than we would otherwise guess, just because there's decent alternatives. Like AJ Green at 7600 is pretty interesting to me. And if again we think that game will be a shootout. Seems like a perfect setting for Green to get going, especially since he's gone, what is it, three games without a touchdown? Yeah, so he, he's gone 17 catches without a touchdown. That's not an average that can hold up. Uh, he's due for a spree of touchdowns, and this seems like a perfect game for that to happen in. So, uh, But yeah, otherwise, going a little lower, um, 
Mike Evans at 6,800 is again a highlight. Even even if he's getting some tight coverage from Trufant, he's he's just going to get so many targets, and there's there's garbage time potential there. So I think I think it all shapes up nicely for Evans as well. Do you feel any better about Randall Cobb this week, coming off of the bye week, and, and the shoulder's been a problem for him for most of this year? He's only seven thousand. I think a lot of people are going to look at Denver and say it's a tough matchup. We're expecting a 17-13 or a 20-17 or a 20-14 kind of game between these two teams. But could this be a little window to go after Randall Cobb at that $7,000 price tag? That's a really good question, and I don't. I guess I like him as maybe, maybe not a cash game option, actually. I was going to say that because I, I think he does actually have a good floor in this setting because – if unless we project Green Bay to score something like 17 points, uh, he just has to almost get something going because they. I don't think they're going to get it to Devonta Adams much. I don't think we can trust either Lacey or Starks to get anything going against that defense. And I'm not going to project you know like an 80 yard two touchdown game for Richard Rodgers. So I think Cobb has to do pretty well in this one. Uh, with that said, he's obviously going to deal with good corners in this game, and Rodgers might have to deal with a problematic pass rush but it's just one of those things where it's like Rodgers just doesn't do poorly enough where a receiver of Cobb's prominence would not do something noteworthy especially in PPR scoring so uh he, he's definitely a good GPP consideration I think because yeah his, his price tag has dropped pretty much every week and it's like there's a reason he was priced as high as he was in the first place I think a lot of the attention for those who want to own a Packers receiver might be directed towards Devontae Adams at $3,900 so that is really cheap for him yeah it's a great price for Adams I just think that Cobb may be forgotten about this week as a result T.Y. Hilton maybe matching up against Josh Norman quite a bit in that matchup against Carolina 6900 is the price there uh, is there a reason to fear Norman at this point? Is he, is, is he just a good corner who's made some big plays this year? Or is he a guy that's kind of positioning himself to be one of the next great lockdown corners? I I don't know enough about him, to be honest, but I don't think that matchups really change things for T.Y. Hilton for me unless it's the passing game as a whole is projected to struggle there. And that could definitely be in pl- an occurrence here because Luck just looks weird his numbers aren't right doesn't look right in the games the whole team seems just screwy right now uh but ty hilton in terms of individual matchups with corners is almost matchup proof like he can torch anybody like he he was smoking richard sherman last year so I don't, i'm not worried about him uh he's just too good at getting deep and he's too fast he's just a good player uh and he gets enough volume in that offense that eventually he breaks one deep even if he needs garbage time to do it like last week against new orleans um so yeah i i think hilton's okay if you were going to target him in the first place anyway but my queasiness over the passing game in general there will push me away from him and moncrief both mari cooper matching up against Darrell revis most likely 6700 probably a reason enough to stay away there uh, but Elshon Jeffrey at 6,400 seems like he's a little undervalued. I mean, if he if he were completely healthy all year, he could be an eight thousand dollar receiver. Oh yeah, definitely. And th- again, Xavier Rhodes matchup makes this kind of interesting. I don't know how much he'll get in coverage against him specifically, uh, but if he does, that that's going to be a lot of extended drive opportunities in, in addition to you know the actual receiving stats that he accumulates. So I like I like Jeffrey quite a bit at that price. I think he's both cash and tournament in play for me at that price steve smith at 6100 probably going to draw some interest against san diego uh brandon cooks down at 5400 now seems like a nice discounted price there just a hundred dollars more than eric decker who 
even though he's listed as questionable, is likely to play against Oakland on Sunday afternoon. Travis Benjamin getting targets, but not scoring the way he was earlier in the season. 5300 is the price there. I don't think I'd go after him, but this could be a week where Cleveland has to throw it 35-plus times because the Arizona offense should be able to open up a significant lead against them. Yeah, I still don't know what to think about Travis Benjamin, but that fact makes me agnostic on him this week, even though it doesn't look like that good of a matchup. Like He's done nothing but just surprise me this year, so that I don't have a bunch of optimism for this week probably means he's going to do well again. But, I mean, he, he tore up the Broncos, and that's about as tough of a secondary personnel-wise as you'll see. Got Martavis Bryant at 5,300. Seems like a good time to buy in on him with Roethlisberger expected back. Well, Stephon Diggs at 4,800. And he's good. I, uh, I, I watched that game uh, last week. He's, that catch he had was awesome. And if he's going deep like that, if they're giving him deep targets, he really can be a complete receiver because he's, his, he was known for being good on like short and intermediate. It was just like, oh, he's not big enough, fast enough to get separation deep. But uh, he really looked good in that game. And the, Norv seems to have a place for him in the offense. Like This is three straight games now where he's been heavily targeted. So I, I like him a lot this week. Uh, 4800 is a great price for him in the role that he has right now. As you move further down this list and look for receivers in the $4,000 range or even below, a uh, few names to throw out there again. Devontae Adams at 3900 is pretty interesting because the price is just that cheap. Roddy White with Leonard Hankerson down up against Tampa Bay might be a good GPP play at 3900 Yeah, I would almost I would almost consider at that price some cash game spots for him probably not just because uh not to spoil the ending uh stevie johnson is only 3200 and he's going against the ravens uh he got eight targets last week in his first game back from injury if we think antonio gates is still out which he almost has to be i thought last uh, thing that we saw because his mcl sprains are not a one-week injury um but yeah 3200 for stevie johnson is just so cheap considering his role in that passing game and what that passing game is projected for michael floyd only 3500 i like him if john Ooh. brown has to yeah, sit. That's, that's pretty interesting yeah if if, if uh, brown is out that's a pretty awesome target too so keep an eye out for that news we'll have it rotowire.com slash pod you can get a free 10-day trial if you're not currently a subscriber we'll have the friday injury report all entered in by friday evening when you're probably listening to this pod and Sunday morning, of course, and, and Sunday afternoon we'll have all the inactives about 90 minutes before each game kicks off. Anything else you like near the bottom of this receiver list? Nah. Nah, time to move on to tight ends. No Gronk because of the Thursday game, which just makes picking a tight end a lot less fun. Greg Olson, the most expensive option for the Millionaire Maker, $6,500. Tyler Eifert at 5300 and Jason Witten at fifty-two. Are you paying up for one of those top three? If I were, it would be Eifert, but uh, not, again, to spoil the ending. If, if Gates is out, it's another Ladarius week for me. I'm going like 100% Ladarius Green at tight end. Yeah, 3000 is a really nice price to the point where even if you think you might be 40 or 50% owned, you just do it because it's going to free up right. a lot of cash for you elsewhere. Also, as far as the the more expensive than Ladarius Green tight ends, I would consider uh, Gary Barnage is basically like d- kind of doing Gronk light stuff in Cleveland. Like he's been really really good since week three. His DraftKings point totals are twenty five and a half, nineteen and a half, thirty point nine, eighteen point nine, and nineteen point one. That includes three one hundred yard games and touchdowns in all but one. And the one game he didn't score, he had over a hundred yards. So that's that's kind of nuts that that guy is doing that. And I the thing is I don't see any reason why he should have to slow down. Like 
it's just him and Benjamin are getting all the targets in that offense. They're probably going to have to throw because their defense can't stop an offense as good as Arizona's. So yeah, if there if there was a non Ladarius, I would go after, and you know I didn't have enough money to pay up for Eifert, I would probably go Barnage and just kind of keep it at those three people. I think I guess I think we're both on Team Ladarius though this week, just because it it really does open up a lot of flexibility elsewhere. Let's move on to the defenses. Uh, you get Cardinals is the most expensive group going up against Josh McCown or possibly Johnny Manziel, but it looks like there's a chance McCown's going to be able to go in this one. Four grand for the Cardinals. You can pay 3700 for the Seahawks going on the road to Dallas to face Matt Castle. You can pay 3400 for the Falcons at home against Jameis Winston. Uh, what do you think you want to do defensively? Do you go Rams coming up yeah. a big game at 3200 against a, San Francisco? I'm a week very too late on this. Uh, just wiped out last week because I didn't have the Rams defense. Um, I'm going to take the Rams defense at home against a 49ers team that I think is is in the midst of a memorable decay that will be legendary You know, decades from now even. At the beginning of the year, if I would have saw the 3100 price tag on the Texans at home against Tennessee, I would have jumped all over that. There's, there's a bunch of good options, man. Especially without Mariota, too. I mean, like, yeah. that's what makes it seem a lot safer to me. Yeah, that is. Oh, uh, what is the deal with Watt, though? Like, He's he, supposed to play. With a back surgery or whatever? Was, wasn't that what he had done? Like a, he, he thinks he's going to play, but players are always <laughs> optimistic about man. being able to play. Well, I guess if he's playing, then, yeah, I mean, there's... The, Tennessee is not likely to do well against any particular defense so if you want to do the fade away from the herd pick of the Rams or what I assume will be the herd pick of the Rams um, I guess that's one thing but I, I mean it's it's there's enough cheap options in this in this cap here that I would rather just you know keep things limited to Seattle and the Rams I guess because I just feel like the results are so likely to be what you need from those two um and yeah it's surprisingly easy to turn a good dfs team into a garbage one if you just don't have one of the defenses that do well uh, especially if the people even especially if the uh, defenses that do well happen to be you know people uh, uh teams that people are on in the first place so uh, obviously it doesn't matter if you just have the wrong defense and nobody else had that defense either but there's enough good options on this one that it could really burn you if you get too cute i guess yeah it, it really like is. me last week which which team was it that you went with? The Cowboys. Oh yeah, yeah, that worked. Yeah, that was uh, that was a tough one to uh, to put it mildly. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like categorically removed from all contention. Just... You did seem to be having a heart attack while you were texting me about the Andrew Luck situation. Yeah, I had several. I, I couldn't. I didn't know how to intervene. Like, how do you how do you intervene when someone on the other end of the phone is clearly having like a heart attack induced by by DFS? Uh, you just have to tell them happy tilting and uh, let it be. I guess. I think. I think all I said to you was it's still early because it was like halftime. Of the yeah, first you were game. like, don't do it, or like get help or something. Get help. I, was, I just wasn't having it. Go to therapy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. You can also check out Rotowire for free for the next ten days by going to Rotowire.com/slash pod good luck in week eight the roadwire fantasy football podcast return on monday
They're gonna kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.